Welcome back to the She's Electric podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and listen to myself and Kaya. I'm really excited about this episode because I'm sharing an experience that has been very, had a very profound effect on my life lately. And so this whole episode is going to be about the importance of having women in leadership roles and women running their own businesses. No matter which way you look at it, we've all grown up in a patriarchal society. And I am so grateful to the forward thinking men who built the systems that I take for granted today. But the reality is that so many services and businesses aimed at women were actually built by men who have no understanding of our experience, of what women go through, of using that particular service. And therefore, the service ends up feeling like it doesn't really fit. An example that really always comes to mind for me is Victoria's Secret. This is a brand that is targeted at women, yet it was created by a man. And the way that it's been structured is to make lingerie shopping easier for men to do for their wives or their girlfriends. And I don't know about you, Kaya, but how does Victoria's Secret make you feel as a brand? It's not the kind of environment that I feel like relaxed and like comfortable with my body and like I'm buying something indulgent. It has a bit of a club feel to me when I go in a Victoria's mm. Secret shop. The energy is off. Yeah. And it's what I'm seeing people represented that do not represent me. They are supermodels. They are absolutely gorgeous. They've got big boobs, tiny waists. And it's just something that always, it just didn't feel like the right fit for me. It's same with L'Oreal. So L'Oreal in its 150 years has never had a female CEO, yet most of their brands are aimed at women. Wow. Until, yeah, until they bought Jamie Kern Lima's makeup brand. She is the first female CEO for one of their brands that has ever been in existence in the company. So many businesses are being led by men, yet they're being targeted at women and for that reason, I don't think that they can empathize with the customer experience. And so I want to share my experience being looked after by services that were built by women for women. This has happened recently. So the first one is, I mentioned it previously, it's the community midwives system in Ireland. Now, this is, I keep saying this because it's so true. This is Ireland's best kept secret. If you are pregnant or thinking of getting pregnant, I would please recommend that you look this up. And I'm going to explain why. So the community midwives is it's a midwife led prenatal and birthing service. And so it's built by the midwives instead of usually what you would do in Ireland, there would be a consultant in the room. Uh, it's just midwives. So the midwives, they are there with you throughout your entire pregnancy and they are there with you during the birth and they're there with you for your postnatal care. Now, when I was having my first baby, so when I was having Enzo, what I was told by societal norms, everybody said, get a private consultant because if anything goes wrong, you want to have a private consultant there on the day. So that was just what I did. I didn't question it. It was just, you were treated, you were being irresponsible if you didn't get a private consultant. And now, you're being skewed towards if something goes go, wrong. Absolutely. Yes. I'm so glad you picked up on that because it's all a fear-based decision. It's get this consultant because it's likely something will go wrong. Yeah. And a private consultant in Ireland costs about 4,000 euro. So the experience I had under the private consultant, now I had an amazing consultant. Her name was Dr. Mary Higgins. She was very female focused. She was very midwife led. But I 
the experience that I had was I had to go into the city centre to get my scan. So I was getting scanned all the time because the whole system was built around ensuring there was no, nobody could sue the hospital. So they're checking all the time, not thinking about the woman. Yes, they are thinking about best outcomes for the baby, but it's not woman first. It's baby first. So I would be dragging myself into the city centre every month to go and get a scan. And then towards the end, when I was nearly nine months pregnant, I was going in weekly. Community midwives, it's created by women for women. So they've gone, what would make more sense for pregnant women? So they've created these pods around the city that you can go to. So the one that I went to was 10 minutes drive from my house. So much easier to get to. So much more informal. You go in and there's a woman there. She she is a mother. She's had babies. She, in my case, all the women had home births. This isn't just for home births. This is if you want to have a hospital birth, it's the same thing. But they would go in and it was not so much about the risks. They would never talk about the risks. What they would talk about is how you can look after yourself. What amazed me about this was there was so much focus on nutrition. There was so much focus on getting proper exercise and keeping yourself strong because that's going to keep you going in labor and that's going to nurture your baby. Yeah, As opposed to... It's sorry, just the total, sorry, it's the total opposite, <laughs> isn't it? Where one is probably something that's going to go wrong and we're just mm-hmm. going to get you in a hospitalized environment having scans yes. as much as possible. And the other one is like how you exercise and what you eat matters. It matters. And also, what are the scans doing, Kaya? Who I, I throughout the community med- midwives, I got my 20 week scan and then I got a growth scan. So I got two scans. I didn't need any more. And I had friends come to me and say, oh, I've heard some horror stories with that, that you don't get enough scans and then they don't pick up on certain diseases. And the one friend, she her child was born with Down syndrome. And I understand that these stories exist, but we always end up talking about the exception to the rule. No one ends up talking about all the positive pregnancies that happen, all of the births that go ahead with absolutely no issues. It's always the tragic case. That's yeah. And also it's not accounting for the fact that lots of the intervention is caused because the woman is scared. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. When I was in labor, I had an amazing experience in the hospital. I can't, like I was in a birthing pool. It was absolutely amazing. But what I got with the community midwives, like these were women that I'd gotten to know over months. You develop such a, a strong link with them. They make you feel so at ease and then they come into your house and they get set up and it's all about respect for the woman. And it's I couldn't believe how intimate an experience it was having the home birth. It was just they knew exactly what I needed. Roisin knew when I was too much in my head, she said, Pia, you need to get out of your head, put on your eye mask, get on the birthing ball, put on your meditation music. And that totally changed my birth experience. I was getting really worked up. I was in pain. Every contraction was hurting so much. But Roisin, because she's done it, she could see what was happening. And she intervened in a very gentle way before it could turn into something where we needed to have an emergency diversion over to the hospital. So when I told my brother or my siblings that I was having a home birth, they were naturally quite afraid. And, And my brother said, but what if something goes wrong? And I was like, well, I'm a low risk pregnancy. So the chances of something going wrong are actually very low. And he said, but you have you have a baby in a hospital. That's just the way it is. And I said, well, I don't believe that because I think when you're in a hospital environment, you can get a cascade of different interventions. So they will try and intervene. Uh, the biggest one is trying to induce 
a baby, when the baby's not ready, then juicing the woman, which makes her contractions much more painful, which makes her panic more, which makes it makes labor stall. So all of these things are happening that's making uh, the eventual outcome of birth much more negative than it needs to be. Yeah, it's so interesting because as you were talking, the story that was it was reminding me of that story that you told last week about what you just mentioned about how your um, amazing midwife was coaching you in the situation and was like, mm. let's not focus. Another thing that was I was remembering was when she said to you, let's not focus on what you can't do. Let's focus on what you can mm. do. And yeah. what's coming up for me is the word empowerment. It's that one system is disempowering the woman. It's telling you that it's not you that's going to determine the outcome of your labor and that's going to be able to control whether this is a positive experience. It's being in a hospital environment. It's being around these people that are experts mm-hmm. in your body versus the midwife-led one, which is saying you've got the power. We're here to support you. We're here to make you feel safe that you have got the power. It's just so different, right? Oh my God, I got goosebumps when you said that because that's exactly what it is. I didn't know how to put it into words, but in one environment, I did that the first time because I was scared. It was the first time having a baby. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. The second time, I remember after I'd given birth and I was saying to Roisin and Susie, thank you so much. Oh my God, you guys were amazing. And they were like, Pia, we didn't do anything. You did it all. We just guided you gently. And looking back, that's what they did. They actually do very little they know when to step in and keep you calm but they really left me in my own head getting into my body and that's what made the entire experience go so well and made me feel like a superhero at the end of it yeah it's so similar to the work that we do in some ways where it's like you don't need to come in and fix your client like nobody Mm. needs fixing what they need is encouragement and support so that they can flourish, so that they can be the star of their own story. We don't need other people to come in and star in our story. Absolutely. It's and one thing I found that there is a, a lot of fear around labor and giving birth. And actually, I think that has been so much perpetuated in TV shows, seeing the woman in agony. I think that's a really irresponsible thing to do. And that is another symptom of a patriarchal society. That's what men see. Of course, that's what they're seeing. But this time, Stephen said, the first time I saw you give birth, I was like, what women have to go through, it's not fair, it's not right. But he said the second time, he said, if that had been you on the first time, I would have gone, giving birth is easy. Do you know? Because, but he, uh, my experience inside my head, I could feel everything, I could experience everything that was going on and it is nothing like what in the movies. Yeah, I love that kind of reframe that you just gave, which is that, like movies are telling the story from what the man sees, which is like they yes. see distress. And actually yeah. this time when I thought you were going to say Stephen was like, God, get me pregnant. I want to go through that experience. <laughs> is that as you said, it's such an empowering thing to do to mm. give birth, to yeah. have the culmination of growing this human and then usher the human out into the world and just see mm. this amazing next stage transition from being a part of you to being its own like separate entity it's so cool and I think it can be such an empowering experience where you just feel like a superwoman at the end of it you feel like a warrior because of what you've done and of course like if you go through that type of birth or as Stephen you know like witnesses it it is very different from Mm. what we have grown up watching yeah yeah I remember Part of the hypnobirthing training is that you don't listen to any negative birth stories. You don't look at any negative movies because that starts to guide 
your belief of what birth is and actually right. it's completely different and isn't it so and funny that people love to tell us like negative birth stories it's just so weird I know I love when I come across first time pregnant women and they're nervous and I'm like I just tell them about my positive story. I'm like, it's so great. You're going to feel like a superhero because women are superheroes. And it's just, it's <laughs> yeah. such a different story to what they're used to getting. Absolutely. What I'm really curious about in this whole story is that you mentioned that when you paid for a private consultant, mm. it was 4,000 euros. So I'm really curious. Did you, what's the charge for the, what's the comparison for the midwife service? The midwife service. And this is why I say this is Ireland's best kept secret. It's free. Then isn't it wild? It's just something in the Irish Health Service. And anyone from Ireland will know it's not the best service, but this works. It's so good. And once again, it is a system built by the midwives for women. And they have thought of everything. So they come to your house for 10 days after you've had your baby. Now, I only needed it for five days. They discharged me early because they were like, I think you're okay. And I was like, yeah, I feel good. But a few days in, when I was having problems getting Rafi to latch, they came straight away. They helped me with getting him to latch. They are checking on you. They're checking stitches or anything like that. They're making sure that you're getting food, all of these things. It's an absolutely incredible, it's an incredible experience because you, you have a woman come to your house every day when you're feeling really wobbly and tired and unsure. And she just listens. Beautiful. So what did you do with the 4K that you saved? So what I did was I kept two and I spent the other two on a postnatal doula. So I'm so excited to tell you about what a, a great postnatal doula can do. In Ireland, if you want to find one, you go to doula.ie and there's just loads of different doulas there. There's different bios of each of them. And I remember saying, universe, help me find the right doula for me. And I'm happy to say that definitely did happen. So I came across Kira from Doula to You. That's her company. And she's based out in Wicklow. And she is trained in Ayurvedic postnatal care. So something very different. And when I was looking at all the different bios of all the doulas, they all talked about the baby. We will look after the baby. Your baby's in good hands. We'll give you sleep. And what Kira spoke about was really looking after the woman her and her business partner. So her business partner specializes in postnatal massage, but Kira specializes in using the right kind of herbs, using the right kind of practices to build the woman back up after she's gone through the huge energetic demand that is pregnancy and labor. Love it. It just sounds so yummy when you're talking about the fact that this care afterwards is mother-centric. Yeah. Because so much, of, as you said, so much of the focus after you have a baby is on the baby. It's all eyes on, is the baby feeding okay? Is this happening? Is sure. the baby okay? Is the baby okay? Checking the baby's weight and all of these things. And it's the mother is sustaining the baby. The mother has been through the pregnancy and the labor. Exactly. And I, when I was looking at all the bios that were talking about the baby, I was like, I'm going to look after the baby. That's what I'm going to do. But yeah. what I need is someone who's going to look after me. And I didn't know what Ayurvedic postnatal care was. I didn't know what it looked like, but it was, Kaya, I cannot tell you how well Kira has looked after me. So much so that I, I paid for 50 hours and I extended it because I just haven't want her to, wanted her to leave. So her last day is next week and I'm 
devastated. But <laughs> but what she does is she has a whole program that she puts you on. So at the start, she brings in different herbal, different herbs and different foods to help nurture your, to bring back, say, your, to nurture your milk supply. Sorry, baby brain. To bring back your milk supply, to, to really get you, bring you back to life. So some things that she was doing was she brought over sesame oil. So it was organic sesame oil that she had put certain herbs in ashwagandha and, and bari. And this was all so that I could give myself a traditional massage. You have to massage your belly, your massage. And she taught me how to do it. And this is not something that I thought that I needed. But I remember being in the bathroom and I was completely naked and I looked at my body and I was massaging it. I was massaging my tummy, which was really soft. And I, for, I just looked at it and I was like, this body is totally different to what it was before. It looks completely like my hips have moved out. I, my body does look different. But I remember having a really nice moment going, thank you for what you've done. You have built a, two humans, you've birthed them. And so often a woman hates on her body after having a baby. And just doing this simple thing of honoring my body, taking time mm. to massage it and then put it in a, a tummy wrap. It was this, this moment that I didn't know that I needed until I did it. And I was like, I do need to honor my body. And I am so grateful for what it has done. Yeah, it's so powerful what you're saying, because I think that every woman who's given birth can relate to looking in the mirror and being like, who the fuck's body is that? Yeah, yeah. That is, it just, I think post-birth, there is almost a bit of trauma to it because mm. when you're pregnant, it looks like a pregnant body. We've yeah. seen pregnant bodies. We yeah. know that shape. The post-birth shape is really unfamiliar. Yeah. And I remember what I loved about what you were just saying is that I remember those moments of just being like, oh, disgusted. Mm -hmm. The narrative of, oh, I've just thrown a human in my body. It wasn't landing. It's those were empty words. And what I loved about what you were saying is that actions speak louder than words. And mm. by you like pouring nourishment and care and, you know, like wrapping your body and making it feel loved and appreciated, mm. that's different. Yeah, it was a huge thing for my feelings of self-worth. But another thing that Kira did, a huge focus of what she does is all on nutrition. So she comes in and she makes bone broths. She, if you look at what traditional cultures do for women, so a lot of women in traditional cultures would have six, seven, eight, nine, ten babies. And they do it without any issues because they're not worn out the way that we are. They're not, mm. they're looked after ha after having a baby. And, and essentially, and I know we can't really recreate this here, but they, the women in, in the village come together and cook for them and, and clean their house and look after their children. And the woman is just sleeping and feeding her baby. Now, I couldn't quite get to that point, but I tried to recreate that as much as I could. And Kira has come in the last three months and she makes really nourishing stews for me. Things that are going to build me back up. In Ayurvedic tradition, a woman, after having a baby, she can't digest things quite easily. So it needs to be things that are wet, oily, wet, oily and fatty. So think about a bone broth is exactly that. Congees, porridge, porridge that's been made with, with bone broth. It was interesting because the first time when I had Enzo, I, my milk supply really did dry up very quickly. I didn't understand what to do. And then I went to a lactation consultant and I was just told, just pump, feed every two hours and pump. There was no talk about nutrition. Absolutely none. No one said you need to build yourself up before you can start to create more milk. 
And so what I ended up happening was I was so stressed, Kaya. I was there hooked up to a bloody pump. I was trying to get ends of the feed. He wouldn't feed because there was nothing coming out. And I was just, it was a horrible experience. Take it to this time. Kira came came in and I had been slowly drifting back into work and I was getting less sleep and Rafi wasn't sleeping. And then I wasn't getting rest during the day and my milk supply started to dry up. And to have someone who just comes in and they're so calm, she's okay. It's because I was like, this is happening again. Oh my God. You know, he's not going to be able to feed. And like you heard me talk to you on the phone about, I was getting myself into a tizzy over breastfeeding. And it is something that is very important to me that I can breastfeed. I don't have to exclusively do it. I'm actually not exclusively doing it anymore. I'm combination feeding, which is, feels amazing. But I really feel that the reason why breast, breastfeeding figures in the UK and Ireland are so low, it's about 2% of women are still breastfeeding at six months, which is really low. I don't blame the women for that. I think the women aren't getting what they need. Mm, it's such a different reframe, isn't it? Where there's it's the narrative, as we were describing the situation in when Kiara was coming in, it's mm-hmm. you're freaking out and being like, something's broken, the problem is yeah. the milk supply. And she's, yeah. what's happening with the system? She, yeah. She's looking at you as a system and she, you are stressed, you are tired, mm-hmm. you are like tense. How yeah. can we bring your energy down? How can we nourish you? How can yeah. we build you back up? And that's going to like change what's coming out. Yeah, exactly. And so the, she put me on a really simple plan, Kaya. And now I, my supply has always been a little bit low. And when I start to to do a bit too much work or I, I'm not looking after my energy, basically, it ends up dipping down. But what she's done is she's you need a lot of fluid when you are breastfeeding. So she there are certain recipes. It's called mother's milk. And it's basically it's a nettle tea, fennel and raspberry leaf tea. So you just brew that and you, you have that all brewed and then you add a tablespoon of almond butter and then you add some different spices and you add some shatavari which is a it's a it's an adaptogenic herb yeah I take right? that every day that's so interesting. do you I've been taking that for years and I, wow. honestly, I I think that it's it's one of the reasons why I've had these kind of like positive experiences like pregnancy birth and the recovery yeah. is just because yeah years ago I was in India and talking to an Ayurvedic doctor and it was just a herb that made me feel really good around my cycle and it's just as you said it's for women it's an adaptogen and it just helps balance your hormones it's because it's amazing so I'm having a lot of that mother's milk I'm having fennel and fenugreek tea so in the morning I just wake up I brew a big thing of fennel and fenugreek tea which is just it's a tablespoon of sorry a teaspoon of fennel seeds and a teaspoon of fenugreek seeds in a liter of water and then I put that into a flask and I just sip it throughout the day And then she made me a lot of lactation cookies, which would have high levels of chia seeds, lots of different sunflower seeds, flaxseed, things like that. And then more shatavari powder in it. And then what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, fat. So the big thing that you need when you are breastfeeding, and this is what I wasn't having before, is you need a huge amount of fat. The structure of breast milk is two parts carbohydrates, two parts sugar to one part fat. So she made me these, it's basically coconut oil, equal parts coconut oil with almond butter. And then a little bit of honey just to sweeten it. And then black sesame. That's it. And there, I just call them my fat bombs. Yum. I cannot explain how much my supply, when I have these and I eat these throughout the day, my supply is really strong. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that 
one of the things that goes wrong for a lot of people in terms of managing their energy is that they are fat depleted they're not having enough fat yeah and yeah. they are hitting the sugar it's like if you want to stop yeah. eating sugar eat more fat and it's not I'm not saying eat bad fats eat loads of ice cream but it is things like olive oils like coconut oils like almond yes. butter like mm-hmm. all of those nuts and seeds that are so nutritious and you can even see people like people who eat a lot of fat they have good skin their skin is yeah. plump and radiant and that's I feel like that's what fat gives you and um, and people who don't have a lot of sugar it looks more dehydrated it's more mm-hmm. like born you know Dry. It's so funny. It's because I went, I finally got out and went to my facialist, Vanya, who is just the most amazing face. She just, she gives, she does a facial for your face and your soul. She does Reiki and everything. But she said, I can't get over your skin. She's just, I, it, I literally thank was you. about to say, if you've been to a facialist recently, because your skin is glowing. But th- that is pure and neglect. That- and lots of fat <laughs> so it's just we have been told uh, fat has really been vilified so much and people think I, I see a lot of older women who would have issues with cholesterol and they say I can't eat fat I can't eat fat and it's funny because that the entire science around how cholesterol is built has changed we've actually figured out that it's not really built from fat only 20% of it is built from fat. The other 80% is built from carbohydrates, glucose. So it's not the butter on your bread, it's the bread. So it's just, it's, yeah, I know it blew my mind because I was like, geez, I'm eating a lot of these fat bombs. I wonder what my cholesterol is going to be like. I better get it checked. And then I I was looking at that research. I was reading a research paper on it and I was like, wow, so many people don't understand this. And it's just through my experience, I realized that women need a hell of a lot more fat than they're actually getting in their diet. 100% and I love that you said through your experience there because it's like I don't have loads of data to share with you all I can say is that through my experience I am somebody Mm. who eats a lot of fat like I'm literally putting teaspoons of fat in my coffee in the morning and I feel since I've done that yeah like I'm slender I'm more slender having a high fat not a high fat diet but like having quite a lot of fat in my diet because it's really good fats it's olive oils it's it's a lot of oils rather than things yeah. that are like cooked it's not so yes. much cooked fat it's a lot of yeah. like cold pressed fats or mm-hmm. in their raw form like nuts and feet I actually feel like it helps me to stay slim in a weird way I, I completely agree I can't explain it but I'm urging people that we have there's far too much glucose in our diet there's far too many carbohydrates um and if you shift over to fat and see how it makes you feel I am never going to go back to the diet that I had before, I'm always going to have a bit more of a fat slanted diet, as long as it makes me feel as good as it's making, as it's making me. One thing that Kira introduced me to was ghee, which obviously in Ayurveda cooking, it's a really common thing. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's clarified butter where the milk solids have been removed. So it's just the fat from the butter. And I like when I when Kira came over and I had I was having all these issues with my breast milk supply. She said, Pia, just eat ghee, lots of ghee. That's going to get it back. And, and she was right. What she simplified it, but it is, it's a lot of fat, but I would have a tablespoon of ghee in the morning and I cannot believe how well everything in my, like my digestion is working really yeah. well, my nails, everything. And, and I've heard Sadhguru talk about having ghee in the morning. It is a big thing in, I, maybe you can tell us more about it, but I, I've just seen the results of it is blown my mind. Yeah. It's ghee or coconut oil. It's the same thing. Yeah. And what they're doing is they are like, lubricating your entire digestive Mm. system they're nourishing all of the digestive tracts and keeping them smooth it's it's interesting because when you fast in india so when i've done um particular detoxification programs but you always break your fast Mm. uh 
So it's ah. always some sort of kedgeri, like some sort of something fermented, but okay. like a warm, soupy mixture with lots of yeah. tea in it to, to build your gut back up. And it's strange because if you think about what we're eating in the Western diet, all this toast, this bread, this, yes. as you were saying, it's like these mm-hmm. very starchy foods mm-hmm. that are very dry. Yeah. yeah. And are not nourishing and they're not making us warm. They're not like lubricating our digestive tract. They're they're not satiating us. No. And it's, I think men can potentially process it better than women can. But my experience is that women definitely, we need a huge, a lot more fat than we are currently getting. Another thing that Kira introduced me to was just the importance of connecting with my baby. So I had never done baby massage with Enzo, but she brought over these uh, different oils. So she brought over sesame oil again and she put different herbs in. She brought in these different herbs that I could put in a herb bath for Rafi, which seems like what's the point in all that? But it was beautiful when I had him in the sink and there was chamomile flowers and, and rose petals in the bath or in the bath in the sink. And I was putting him in after giving him a massage. And you make this thing. It's a shampoo called Uptan which is a mix of chickpea flour and milk and you just you cook it on the stove and it becomes like shampoo that's if it feels like it it's amazing and so I would massage him with oil and then I'd rub that all over him and it was this incredible moment just to connect with my baby and when you are absolutely knackered you've given birth you're exhausted you're totally depleted and you're always thinking oh god I'm gonna get such a bad night and your brain is doing all these creating all this judgment around how negative the situation can be. And it's so rare that we actually pause to stop and just look at our baby. And that was the gift that Kira gave me. She gave me that permission and, and also the means. I, I, like I didn't, she showed me how to do the proper baby massage. And it was just, it created this lovely bond between myself and Rafi. And it just, to be honest, it created a lovely bond with myself because for the first time I really slowed down. Beautiful. So I just want the women out there who might be thinking about setting up a business, but they don't have the confidence to do it, to just think again, because half of the population are growing up in a society that hasn't really been built for them. I, from my own experience, I went out, I've created the job that I have. I am working as a food consultant, helping a lot of food manufacturers develop products and develop their marketing strategy, develop recipes for their customer, because the majority of my clients are men. Yet, who makes the decision for food in the house? It's a woman. So these men are struggling to connect with their customer. They're struggling to come up with ideas that resonate because they don't understand their ideal customer's experience. And I'm able to get into her head really well. So if you are thinking about setting up a business, just understand that you are best placed to serve the person that you once were. So you can get into her shoes, you can understand her frustrations, all the problems that are happening, and that's how you can come up with a really clever solution.